Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson and I'm the host of the show and I'd like to thank you for joining us. If you are new to the show, you can follow us on social media at SFCDELL underscore IVERY and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address and feel free to use those to communicate any ideas or thoughts you have about the show, whether you like it, dislike it, want to see something new, uh, whatever that is. And also uh, all the links to those are in the show notes. So you can just click on it and go straight from there. Uh, also down there, you can find links to subscribe to the feed in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast to make sure that you do not miss an episode. And now we are also on SoundCloud and YouTube, so you have all of those options for listening. Um, I'm pretty excited that we finally, the season's finally here. Uh, we, we finally get to watch the team and you know everything that we've been talking about all summer long is kind of uh, coming to fruition. But on Saturday against Swansea, we kind of saw the same Team, we saw almost the exact same team. In fact, that Claude Puel ran out uh, last season in his in his final match, um, and and I'll talk about all that with my guest this week. And my guest this week is um, Jack, who runs Saints News and Views on Twitter. You can follow that at Saints FC Views on Twitter, and I encourage you to give that account a follow. And Jack and I talked about the match. We talked about the transfers, uh, the transfer window so far. Uh, we didn't talk about the sale of the club because it hadn't happened yet. But as soon as we were done recording and as soon as I finished editing and as soon as I was ready to actually, you know, publish this, it set it to publish every, every, every Tuesday, every Monday night, Tuesday morning. Um, in fact, this intro was done and then I had to sit here and, and redo it tonight because, uh, you know, the, the club was sold. So, um, of course we didn't talk about that cause it hadn't happened yet, but we did talk about, you know, a lot, lots of other things and we'll get to all of those things, uh, with Jack in just a second. And, uh, before we do that, I just like to point you in the direction of the, we are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. Be sure to check out. We are Southampton on Instagram. Matt who runs the page has been a huge help in getting this show going. He did the logo. He's been a guest. He's given me feedback every step of the way, and I can't thank him enough. So be sure to check out. We are Southampton on Instagram. And kind of with all that being said, Jack and I did talk for quite a while, so I don't want to take up too much of your time here, uh, but I'd like to remind you, you can follow his account at Saints FC Views on Twitter, and it's the Saints News and Views page. And uh, you should know about Jack. He is a lifelong Saints fan. He has worked actually at Bournemouth Football Club in, in the media department, and uh, he still works in media, lives in London now. So uh, we talk about all that stuff, and uh, you know, here we go. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Jack, who is the owner, editor, manager, whatever you want to call it, of Saints News and Views. So, Jack, thanks for joining me on this uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, English time, and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thank you. I'm really excited. Let's let's get on with it. All right. All right. Well, let's let's talk a, a little bit about you and and the account, and then we'll kind of get into you know everything that's going on with the team, because I think there's plenty to sure. talk about from yesterday. Always loads, always loads to talk about with Saints. Always loads to talk about. And I don't know for for, for me um, sitting here waiting, like you know, waiting for the Premier League season to start and having the first match be a Friday night for you guys is like right in the middle of the day. And it was like it took everything I had not to just sit in my office and watch watch the match. But I had a tough time sleeping Friday night. So 
it's, yeah. it's hard, isn't it? The Premier League season, ever, ever since it finished, I was the weekends just aren't the same. I don't know about you. I I wait for football and it's preseason's okay. It's a bit, it's, it's it is what it is, and then it comes around. It's like right, I'm watching every Premier League game this weekend. I don't care what your plans are, what my family plans are. My weekend dedicated to football, so I'm glad it's back on the TV. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just. I guess a little bit about you. Where are you from? The Southampton area originally, or did you, you kind yeah, of grow up so, around there? So I'm Southampton. Um, I live in a place called Chandlersford. Um, so it's about 20 minutes outside Southampton. Uh, born in Southampton. Um, yeah, I am 100% born and bred Southampton fan. All right. All right. Does that kind of lead you into starting Saints News and Views, or or how does that? How does, where does no, that come from? Saints News and Views started in November 2012. So I I finished um, going to college and then I went to university to study journalism. And going to a lot of open days at journalism on journalism courses, they said that you need to be really proactive and show that you wanted to learn about journalism. And so I thought, you know what, I love football. I, I live for football. And why not try and combine journalism with, with football? So I thought, right, I support Saints. There's not too many Southampton accounts out there. So I was thinking, do I write a blog? I thought, oh, I don't really have much access for a blog. So do you know what, I'm going to start a Twitter page that I can post information about Saints on, transfer rumours, try and get views from the stand, that sort of thing. And And yeah, so it started in November 2012. I remember starting out posting a few things off and no one was following me and it was I think it's hard when you start up a Twitter page because people will say oh why am I going to follow you are you reliable you could just be any Tom Dick and Harry on the street who knows nothing about football but I think for me personally I just love everything that's to do with Saints whether it's transfer rumors or information about the club so for me I just really enjoyed posting about Saints and then sort of built like a little like community I like to call it about just shy of yeah 25 or shy of 6,000 followers yeah, I was going to say, so, it's not, not quite a little community. It's 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 a fairly sizable following uh, there. Yeah, so I just, I really enjoy posting things about Saints. And I like to watch a lot of football, whether it's from like Serie A football or La Liga. I feel like I've got quite a good knowledge. So if there's any rumors about Saints or I read a lot of newspapers and news articles. So I just try and keep, my aim is to try and keep as many Saints fans informed about all the, the dealings at the club, really. That's, that's the main purpose of it. And to enjoy it. I love writing writing and posting about saints so for me it's really enjoyable more than anything for me i'm somewhat obsessive and i get in this kind of habit of just constantly refreshing checking all the stuff and sometimes it's just the point where my wife looks at me and goes like hey like like calm down and it's like okay all right but um <laughs> you know, that that sounds a, a very accurate representation of of me sometimes when if i'm on my day off or it's on a weekend i'll type in the saints fc hashtag or I'll be on, I like looking at the Saints web forum for, for debate on there. And I'll, my life, I, so much of my life is dedicated towards Saints. And um, so, yeah, I'm very much like you, especially during the transfer window, hitting that refresh button on the, um, on the hashtag, seeing if there's new things or new players that we're linked to or who's leaving the club or at the moment, the ownership, the bark, what's going on. Right. Of new information. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I really want to get on it. I want to learn as much about Saints as I can. Yeah. Um, Kind of going back to when you when you started the account, November you said 2012. Any any kind of challenges have come up for you as you've run the account for so long? You, you run into anything that's kind of given you a headache or anything? It's funny you should ask that. It's funny you should ask that. 99.9 percent of the time, I absolutely love running my Saints FC news and views page, but it's that 0.1 percent where maybe I'm quite prone to getting quite passionate about Saints, and I'm 
I like to think of myself as a quite an, uh, an ambitious fan. So like when we sell the likes of Fontaine, we don't have a replacement. It gets me really frustrated that fans are happy for Yoshida and Stevens to stand in. And that's by no means anything against Yoshida and Stevens, who, by the way, were absolutely brilliant last year and have started really well yesterday against Swansea. But as an ambitious Saints fan, sometimes I let my emotions get the better of me and I'll put something on a tweet that's quite, just my opinion, that's not not about a rumour or not not a fact, so to speak. It's quite subjective. And then a lot of fans will reply back to me and say, um, this is a wrong opinion, um, you tweet a lot of rubbish, you're always so negative. And for me, I suppose that's the biggest thing, is trying to channel everything to be... I think everyone likes to be quite positive about Saints. And sometimes for me, it's hard when you're so passionate about a club to be happy all the time about the dealings that are going on at the club. So yeah, sometimes when you get a few... I wouldn't say hurtful. You, know, you get a few nasty people on Twitter who aren't afraid to at you and say a few <laughs> choice words, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the hardest thing is making sure that I keep my my bloggers. I, do you know what? I like injecting a bit of subjective opinion on it. I think it's great to have an opinion. If people want to read my opinion, great. Um, but I think that's what sometimes gets me in trouble with a little bit. If I if I tweet my feelings and not everyone agrees with me, you get a little bit of um, disagreements from certain people. But that that is literally 0.1% of this blog. The rest of them, everyone gets in a really friendly debate. I think debate's great. I love, I love a debate. I'll debate with anyone about Saints and talk about Saints. But I think that's the biggest problem is that you get people who disagree with you. Um, and they, and they can be, it can be quite nasty at times and, yeah, that, but apart from that, everything about running this Twitter page has been been brilliant for me. All right, all right. For me, I'm like, I have this like thing. I want to make everybody happy, and I I was a pretty negative person for like most of my life, and it's just been like the last couple of years where I was just like, just try to be, you know, just try to look on the bright side a little bit. I I, I guess I'm more inclined to say like, you know, we're we're doing well. We're just not taking our chances, rather than we need we need another striker because the people we have uh, are maybe maybe me and you could have a Twitter disagreement. Uh, maybe you're the type of person I'm going to have a disagreement with. I, I don't know. There's been a couple of people, especially there's been a couple of verified people who have disagreed with me, and after say Saints have been beaten three one, it's like oh, but come on, let's be happy and stuff. And I've I've said stuff where it's like oh, it's happy you that really annoy me, and then they've unfollowed me straight away. So maybe I need to think before I tweet sometimes but um no I'm, I'm, I'm quite positive about Saints I think it's you're passionate aren't you and when you're passionate about something I think you want them to do really well especially Saints so yeah that's probably the hardest thing about running this Twitter but that's not it's not hard it's it's, it's absolutely nothing right I think when I start to get like upset about stuff I tend to you know, I don't know if you ever listen to the Men and Blazers, but they always say that the uh, the English people will be more happy with somebody else kind of failing than with their own success. Like that'll make them happier to see. Right. Okay. Um, and so, you know, when Liverpool's going through this whole thing yesterday, like that made me happier than than anything. And so here I am just bashing on Liverpool, and it's like that's not that's not necessary. You know, like um, <laughs> I was actually in the car and I was I was waiting for a friend, and I was scrolling through Twitter as I do, putting that Saints FC hashtag in. And I saw Sky Sports breaking news that Coutinho put his transfer request in. And I just, I wanted to put a barrage of memes up. I wanted to put gifts <laughs> up and, and tag as many Liverpool fans in as possible. Because there are loads of Liverpool fans who um, got involved in the whole Van Dyke situation. But right. um, yeah, that, for me, that was hilarious. Coutinho wanting away from Liverpool. I feel like that's a bit of karma. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess, I don't know if you were a partner with Sure last year, but you have a partnership with them this year, correct? 
yeah so that, that actually ran last year as well i think okay. it was midway through last season that they followed me and they sent me a message um through my email address saying that they're now partnerships they also partner i think it's everton and chelsea this year and um yeah they they emailed me last year being like oh we'd love to work with you guys to give some saints fc fans a, a good match day experience in our box and for me i've always said to myself that this is no way in a dig to any other sort of page who runs out there because I know people have to make money. But I've never made money through my Saints FC account. For me, I would never work with another company if I don't think my followers are going to enjoy it. I feel like I'm quite loyal to this page and, and what it represents. So they inboxed me and they said, right, we would love to give away a couple of, um, a couple of match day experiences in the box. I thought, okay, great. My followers are going to love that. So, yeah, a couple of times last year, we had a couple of competitions giving away two tickets to the shore, uh, shore box. And it's literally just a case of me putting up, um, the competition and then putting in like a shore hashtag. And it's, it's something that won't bombard fans with non Saints FC related content. If anything, it probably makes their match day experience better if they win the competition. So I've, it's been really good. Yeah. I've liked working with Shaw. They've been very friendly. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, well, I, I guess uh, we didn't say where where can people follow the page. I'm sorry we didn't introduce that. At yeah, the beginning. Oh, sure. If people want to get involved in it, it's at Saints FC Views. Um, yeah, find us over there. If you like the stuff we 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 tweet or we so I say I tweet. Give us a follow. In, interact with me. I think that's the best thing I like doing when I've got free time. I like to spend as much of my time on that page, interacting with with other fans and talking about everything Saints FC related. So if I'm tweeting something that you don't agree with, come on at me and we'll, we'll, we'll have a debate about it. And I love talking with Saints fans. So if you want to head over to the, to the page at Saints FC views, check it out. It's yeah. I hope it's a good page. I hope it's, I hope you enjoy talking to me. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's one of those ones that I, that I follow and thank you. Yeah, no, it, it's been, it's been great. So I appreciate you doing that. And I mean, I, I rely on, on pages like yours for news and stuff, you know, like, and, and sometimes it's like, I, if I see yours and then I see somebody else's, it's like, I want to see it in a couple of places before I start to, to maybe believe a rumor or a transfer thing, but it's, it's all good. hundred percent. That's the same as, same as me. If, if you see, if you go see like a, like, like recently with our new signing, you see some Italian journalist tweet it. You're always quite skeptical. You think, oh, okay, well, one person's tweeted it. And then you look for other people who's tweeted it. So I, I follow all the things I see accounts out there with, with Aiden at Fresh Saints and, and Talk Saints, there's some really good accounts out there for people to get involved with. So you should definitely go and check those ones out as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think moving forward into what's going on with the team, do you want to start with um, yesterday's match and then we'll kind of work, we'll kind of look at the transfer window and everything else that's gone on in, yeah. after that? All right. Um, so yesterday, of course, we opened the season. Like we talked about earlier, it's been, you know, kind of we're, we've both been waiting for this. And I was up, I had a tough time. I mean, I get up at 4am usually anyway for work, but like I was, I had a tough time sleeping yesterday. I'm up at like three 30, ready to watch Liverpool and rooting for Watford. Um, yep. and then, you know, our, our game comes on and when, when the lineup came out, what, what did you make uh, of the, the lineup and the formation that we, we came out with? I think it was quite expected. I think Pellegrino was quite open about his lineup. And the only one that surprised me was Redmond. I went to the Seville game where Saints won two nil. And for me, he was, he looked quite, I know he came back from preseason quite late because he has um, England and international duty. But for me in that preseason, I knew that he took a knock halfway through the game. And he for me, he just looked a little bit out of out of fitness. Um, so that was the only surprise for me. Um, I wouldn't have changed the formation. I feel like 
Gabbiadini possibly starts ahead of Austin. I like to see them both play play as a two up front. I know Austin's mobility and his movement maybe not might not complement Gabbiadini, but I think it's worth a shot. But I, I would have gone with that team. There's nothing about that I would have changed personally. I feel like Davis and Romeo in that two holding positions are, are great people to have there. Um, so the only thing I would have changed is Buffal maybe starting instead of Redmond. But apart from that, I think it was it's, it's probably one of our best teams and it didn't really surprise me. Yeah, I think I saw somebody tweet out yesterday that it was basically it's the same team that we played the last game of the season. Like it's it's pretty similar. I think a lot of people expected a lot of changes, but for me, I feel like not a lot has changed at the club since Paul Puel's departure and and Pellegrino's come in. I feel like there's going to be a transition period, and our teams are going to play very similar. And um, he needs time to inject his style and his philosophy and his ideas. So I feel like that that structure, a very similar team, it was quite it was expected. Let's say. Yeah, and I and I want to say that last year. The idea or the the thoughts that I got about the team was it wasn't that the team was playing badly, is that the the coach wasn't motivating them, that the coach had set them up uh, maybe poorly, and so that yeah. it it wasn't necessarily that we needed to make a bunch of changes, but it was that we needed some some fresh ideas coming from the manager. And so when people kind of started to jump on on that yesterday, some of the people that I was talking to, it was like, well, like remember what we really were complaining about last year. Let's try to. Let's try to keep that in, in our minds about yeah. what we have, but but then uh, yeah, uh, we didn't score again. So maybe it's maybe it is something different, and we'll we'll talk about signings or lack of signings as as we go on. But um, yeah. it's it's hard because saying seven that we've not won a home opener since nineteen eighty eight, and and since like the the last nineteen seasons of the Premier League. If I, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've only won two of our last nineteen opening Premier League game seasons. So I don't think we've got a great record of starting the season that well. Um, and, and you just got to look. Yes, last year we scored 17 goals at home all last year. So in the space of the time that Pellegrino has been there, it's not going to happen overnight. I think Saints fans have to be quite patient with Pellegrino. He's, he came out and he urged Saints fans to be really patient and, and wait for him to inject his, his ideas and for, for the players to take it. So only scoring 17 goals at home last season, we have to be patient. But that, that is one thing that I feel like he knows that we've got to change all pre-season. I love the Saints FC media team and all they've filmed is Saints doing shooting practice, free kick practice. So I feel like Pellegrino knows that's our weakness and he's trying to play us really attacking football and he's working a lot on attacking and shooting. But it's going to take time. We've, we've got to be patient. It's frustrating. I would have loved us to whip him. We could on another day we could have beat Swansea yesterday five nil. Like Yoshida could have had a hat trick. Right. <laughs> so um, we've just got to be really patient. I think. I think he's a good manager. Um, I don't. I can't say that I know too much of him, but I think there's a lot of positives to take out of yesterday's performance. I wasn't happy at yesterday's performance. I was left frustrated and annoyed that we hadn't picked up the three points and and got some good goal difference on the board. But it's going to take time. We've got to be patient, and we've just got to put faith faith in him and already I feel like the players look a lot more motivated I feel like the team spirits come back in pre-season you saw a lot of the videos people are happy to be at back and uh-huh. I've got a good feeling about this year I really do have a good feeling and yeah I've gone off a bit of a tangent here but I I feel I do feel a little bit sorry for Puel I feel like he didn't have the best he didn't have the best start at Saints we, we sold a lot of players and I feel like his ideas were there, but it just couldn't get through to the Saints players. There was no chemistry between Claude and our, our Saints team. And there were numerous reports of, 
of balling us out on on the pit on on the training ground and I just don't think that he had that chemistry there with the players and I feel like that could definitely change with Pellegrino in charge like for instance when um Mario turned up um Lamina turned up for his first day I love how Pellegrino walked down to the training field to watch him and shake his hand and for me it shows that he's got the right personality to be popular at Saints and hopefully popular. The main thing for me is popular within that dressing room. I feel like you've got to have that connection with the manager and the players. And if you have that, they will take your ideas and your philosophies um, on a lot quicker than they would do with someone who's maybe a bit shy and a bit quiet like Puel was. I, I, he's French speaking, so it must have been very hard for him. But I've got good faith in, in Pellegrino. I've got good faith. When the match started yesterday, it seemed like the guys were all ready to go. Like, you know, yeah. even to the point where we, we had a false start because we were <laughs> running into their half too early. But like, as we, but we had several chances kind of in the first five minutes. Um, yeah. you had uh, the, the glancing header from Gabbiadini. I want to say Tadic missed that, that, yeah. that, that, I don't want to say sitter because the ball was coming in pretty fast. But like, Say, come on, say sitter. It was a sitter. Okay, me, Mr. Sitter. I'm see. That's me being nice. I can't. I can't do it. Um, but you know, he missed that. And and there for me, it's like I have to fight off the. Oh, here we go. Like you know, it's it's back to the same thing. And and you wonder, kind of, is that going to creep in? But I was really really encouraged by by the start and by the chances we created. Um, were you along the same lines, or how did you feel about about the? Yeah, the first the first five minutes. Unfortunately, I wasn't at the game. I'm I'm unable to go to games living in London at the moment. It was the first ten minutes. There was plenty of oohs and ahs and jumping off my seat, thinking that we had scored. Gabbiadini, like you said, going very close to the front post, and Tadic. Tadic for me is one of these players who technically is one of the probably the best footballers out there technically, but he does that. He just fails to do the easy stuff. There's so many chances in in the last couple of years that he's. He hasn't put away and he hasn't, he hasn't been able to do. And for me, it's frustrating. He's, he's one of my favorite players. I think technically he's great, but he just can't do the easy stuff sometimes, like the penalties he's missed and those easy chances. So, um, I think it's a big season for Dusan. I think he's got a lot to prove to Saints FC fans. Um, so, but yeah, no, I think there was a lot of positive intent. I feel like Mauricio set the team up that was very attacking. From the from the start, we just attacked. Swansea offered nothing. They just put men behind the ball and and tried to counter a little bit. Um, but no, I was really impressed with the start, and it was just frustrating that we didn't have that clinical edge um, in the first half. Right. We we did everything but score, and it, that's the same as and as last year. And for me, last year, it's hard because. Seven of Southampton's last nine Premier League games have been goalless at half time. And now for me, that's where the problem is. I feel like we don't, we didn't start well last year. And for me, going forward, that would be really important that we get an early goal. We get an early couple of goals and that'll put us in a good position. As long as we can do what we didn't do last year and, and hold on to leads, that, that's really important for me that we, we score early in goals and get momentum. I feel like momentum's really, really important in football. And once you get to momentum, you can go on a, a great run. Gabbiadini and Austin are perfect examples of this. Where as a forward, if you get goals under your belt in the first couple of games, momentum is huge. They, they went on to score six or seven goals or something like that in, in a row or whatever it was. So for me, momentum is really important that Saints start scoring a little bit earlier. We start, yeah, we just need to find that clinical edge from somewhere. I don't know whether it's going to be from within the team or looking elsewhere, but we need to, there's definitely, a lack of clinical um, finishing. Yes, yes. Um, 
some things that I thought were I, I was really impressed by yesterday were I thought our passing was crisp and fast, much faster than than last year yep. for the most part. Um, I thought our movement off the ball creating a lot of space for for those passes and, and really causing um, Swansea, even though they were sitting behind the ball, we still caused them um, some worry. You can see their defenders kind of running all over the place trying to get it back into formation and things like that. And we pressed really high. I thought we pressed really well, which I, I liked. Um, and I mean, we just dominated possession. But once again, we just couldn't. Like you said, we couldn't, we couldn't yeah. finish, man. Um, but you, you have to kind of think if, if that Gabby Adini header goes in, which is difficult, that's not easy. But if that, and then if we get that Tadic shot to go, I think that changes the whole game. Cause you know, yeah. we had the chance to be two or three nil up, you know, in, in the five, first five or six minutes. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what it is. Momentum. That's game over. Swansea offered absolutely nothing going forward. Tammy Abraham had a great turn in the early couple of seconds of the second half and, they had a good chance, I think it was at the other end very early on. But apart yes. from that, Swansea offered nothing. And if we had got those two early goals, that's game over. Game over in the first 15 minutes. And that's that's three three points on the board in the opening game of the, of the season. So, um, but, but going back to your points, I think we played at a great tempo yesterday. The passing was a lot more fluid. We passed the ball well. There was a lot more movement off the ball. I thought Tadic was... It was quite surprising. I put out yesterday on a poll on my on my page that who's the best player, and I, I put Tadic as an option. And a lot of players came back. Sorry, a lot of fans came back to me and said, "What? Why is Tadic in the poll?" And I thought personally, he he did a lot off the ball and on the ball yesterday that deserved him to be in there. He had a great couple of flicks, a great couple of through balls, and um, he missed a couple of sitters. But he was yesterday really influential in the way that we are playing. He's got that great flair and that great. He's got great vision on him, and I feel like if he's playing with confidence, he's going to be important for us going forward. But no, there was there's a lot of things to be positive about yesterday, like you said, with the tempo and the movement, yeah. and the passes was great. Romeo, he made he made eighty passes yesterday, um, more than any other player, and three and four interceptions. And I think we come that that's quite normal for Romeo. But you look at other teams; he is a gem. He is he is one of our best players by a country mile. And it's so. I think he's so vital to the way that we play as well. But um, yeah, he, he is one of my favorite players, Matt. I don't know about you. I don't know who your favorite player is. If you at Saints, if you could pick one. But for me, in the middle of midfield, he is vital for us. I, I like defense, and um, you know, my my phone case unfortunately now has still has uh, Font and Van Dyke on it. I'm gonna have to get a new one here pretty soon. Okay. Um, but uh, I think Ryan Bertrand is probably like I like watching Ryan Bertrand a lot, and yeah. I think it's kind of because when I was younger and when i played soccer when i was like eight you know i got to play goalie or or, or you know fullback and that's because i was terrible um but now yeah. i really like i like watching Bertrand. and i like watching him run down run down and overlap and do all that stuff so i'd have to say him probably but i think i think quickly, quickly before we move on a couple of months ago I, I feel like i need to owe a couple of my followers an apology so at the start of the season i think there was rumors about Cedric going for 25 million for Barcelona. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted something that said, I feel like he's surplus to requirements. I, I felt like he's not really pushed on since he's come here. But watching him in the Seville game and watching him yesterday, I can see why a lot of fans got angry when I said that. Like Bertrand, he is a really good player and he's very important for our team. And they, they're both going to play really important roles in the season, attacking. And for me, attacking centre-backs, what they lack normally is that that defensive mind, that defensive, um, the defensive skills. But for me, both those players are great defenders as well as great attackers. So I feel like I need to apologise to a lot of fans for doubting um, Cedric because I feel like he is now really important. Oh yeah, I I, I would agree with uh, your change of heart there because I think he is he's fantastic. 
And we were talking last week or maybe the week before about the fact that sometimes when you get a fullback that used to be a, a midfielder and they're kind of dropped back, they there you can definitely see the holes in their in their defense, you know. And then sometimes if you get a guy who's a center back that they put out push out wide, you can definitely see that they they're not comfortable going forward. They they struggle to overlap and stuff like that. And we have two fullbacks who can really do the entire job, the modern day fullback kind of yeah. everything. And yeah. then we're extremely fortunate to have them. And we've been able, even when Klein left, I was like, you know, it's going to be difficult to replace that. But, you know, we did. And I, once again, that's credit to the Saints scouting team to be able to go out and, you know, pull a guy you know, in. Well, in, the, in the nice possible way. I don't want them to do too well because they'll get sold pay it <laughs> and people will buy them. And I, I, I worry about Jack Stevens now. He's getting a lot of plaudits. He really stepped up to the mark yesterday. But I really worry when he gets all these applause and people start recognizing him as a good center back because it means that he'll be gone in a couple of years. So um, maybe let's not praise all our players a bit too much. Yeah, they're all, they're all crap. Let's, let's just... They're <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tadish had the... We were talking about Tadish missing a penalty and, and not being able to do the easy things. What yeah. about that chance? Uh, it looked like he might have been fouled in the box. In the end, nothing happened. There was no foul given any anywhere. Uh, what did you What did you think about that? And and can we can we complain about that at all? Do you know what I, I hate? I hate rinsing referees. I hate giving referees a bad reputation. Um, I used to do a lot of refereeing um, for a, for a job at lo- a local football, and I hate it. I know a lot of referees get abuse, but for me, the ref got at least two stonewall penalties wrong yesterday. Fernandez, he, he took Tadic's legs out. Like that's a stonewall penalty. He's coming from behind. He's completely whipped his legs off. Tadic was furious. He's absolutely furious. And for me, that's a stonewall penalty. And at the other end, someone put his hands up in the box and, and it went straight into his face. I can't remember who, who took the shot. But for me, there's two stonewall penalties there that the referee missed. And I don't want to moan about referees, especially on the start of the season. But right. two, two decisions you got wrong there. Fernandez one was probably the best, the most obvious one. You, you've taken a player out from behind. That's, that's, a, that's a penalty. Yeah, like even I would have called a penalty on myself or at least a foul on myself had I done that. You know, I would have been like, oh, sorry, here's the ball back, you know, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and for the ref to not give that, it was a bit it was a bit frustrating. But, mm. you know, part of me looks back and says, you, you know, you got to take care of it elsewhere. And we and we didn't. So, yeah, but you you've hit the nail right on the head there. Those those chances or those penalty shouts, they shouldn't mean anything because we should have been two up by the time that we got that. So. If you don't get those decisions, you need to take your chances. Ultimately, the referee is there to, to control the game, and I thought he had a good game apart from that. But you need to take those chances so that you don't moan about these, these penalty opportunities. You need to focus on the game and take your chances rather than worry about the referee going forward. Any any standout moments in the second half for you? Is there maybe some recognition? Um, I don't know. I feel like the second half, we it was a bit more flat. I think when you come racing out the blocks and you play quite, we play quite at high intensity for the first 45 minutes. For the first game of the season, fitness is always going to be a little bit of an issue. You're not going to have the same stamina as you would do, say, 12 or 13 games into the Premier League season. So I feel like we tailed off a little bit. And do you know what? There aren't too many opportunities I can remember. I remember Yoshida right at the end taking that free kick and it going inches wide. Um, and do you know what? I wasn't surprised Yoshida was taking it because in some of the videos that the media team put up, he was he was putting some great free kicks in on the training ground. So um, maybe that chance was probably one of our best. Um, I don't know. I feel like it was a bit more flat the second half. The first half really stands out to me um, watching it. 
Yeah, I thought it was kind of just more of the same, but I think, but I, I thought we were good. I still thought we were the much better team. And I thought, you know, probably after the 70th minute, maybe once we made the, the switch with Austin for Gabbiadini, Swansea seemed content just to get a point. They, they had officially kind of given up trying to score and were just going to sit 10 men behind the ball, you know? It's hard for a team, if you're Man City, if you're Barcelona, if a team's got 10 men behind the ball and you've got to break them down, after you've played probably 70 minutes of football the first game of the season, it's going to be really hard to get through and break the defence. So, no, they, the Swansea did very well. Fair play to them. Under under Clement, they really tightened up at the back and he's done a great job there. Um, so, I do have a little bit of sympathy for Pellegrino. He did all that he could. But when you're playing with 10 men behind the ball, it's it's hard to break teams down. So, no, fair play credit to Swansea. They held out at the back last year before Clement got there. They wouldn't be able to have done that. We would have put probably... Five or six past them. Yeah. But yeah, no, Swansea look good at the back. They look resolute. They look strong. So I think you have to give them a little bit of credit. Yeah. And they probably entered that game probably hoping they were going to be able to get a draw, given that they didn't have kind of their two yeah. biggest offensive threats. So yeah, that's in Sigerson and, and Lorente's out. That's two of their probably best players. So, um, no, I feel like they would have gone into this, this, this game against Southampton knowing that they're up against it. Saints are a good side on their day, and I think they would have known that. Clement would have known that. So, th- I think they're happy with a point. For us, we would have obviously liked the three, but they've got to be. I'm, I'm happy with points on the board. It's a point on the board that we didn't lose our first game of the season. We didn't Crystal Palace. So, yeah. <laughs> um, or Chelsea, you know. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Gary Big Cahill. <laughs> now, do you. You know, people were already kind of, I don't want to say moaning or complaining, but people were kind of, you see some of the kind of negativity from last year already starting to creep up. And I think it's understandable given that, you know, kind of the way we finished last season and and the fact that we haven't really made any signings, but do you, it doesn't sound like you think it's time to worry, but do you think it's time to worry a little at all? Or do you think something needs to change or what do you like, how would you address Uh, this? It's a hard situation. Do you know what? Going into transfer windows, all I want to do is not lose our best players and we haven't done that this season and for me the one thing that I've been crying out for the last couple of seasons is what Southampton have done we've added depth depth's a great thing we had quite a small squad so Kruger came out and he said right we need the last couple of seasons we've added depth we've got a lot of we've got a lot of a lot of players in a lot of positions so there's great competition in our squad but what we haven't done Southampton Football Club haven't done and we rarely done especially last season was a great example of it. We've tended to replace. A lot of teams out there have made their squad better. So they, they've brought in players who are better than the players that they've got. But for us, we lose our best players and we have to replace. So when you replace, often not, you're probably not going to get stronger as a squad. The last couple of years have probably completely disagreed with that statement because we've somehow changed managers and had an overhaul of players and we've got better every time. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's not sustainable going forward. So what I wanted for us to do, especially this this window, was try and keep hold of the core of our best players and add maybe just two signings who are quality signings, who are going to make our team better or push players to become better, better players. Um, so for me, um, I, I, I like to watch a little bit of Syria. I like to watch the Italian league. And I have heard of um, Mario Lamina and... Look, he was playing Champions League final three months ago, mm-hmm. and now he's playing for Southampton Football Club. That's a big coup, if you ask me. He's, he's not played a lot of football, but obviously he's got something there, or else he wouldn't be at Juventus Football Club. As simple as that. They're one of, if not the best team in the world. 
Yeah. So for me, a signing like that is really what I wanted. I want us to add quality and not replace. But replacing our players has been really frustrating. So that's an exciting signing. That's a good signing. But I tweeted it a couple of couple of months ago. There's a lot of pressure on Les Reed and, and Ross Wilson. Last last summer wasn't good enough. We should have brought a striker in in the summer. But our signings haven't been great. We've had squad players like Jeremy Pa. We've had. Taylor, the goalkeeper. Um, I'm trying to think of other players that we've, we've signed. We've got a lot of players in there who are just squad players and they're not making our team better. And I felt like Ross Wilson really needed to do a job in this window and bring in or unearth two or three real gems for Saints that are going to make us stronger going forward. And I know we've got a little bit of time and I've heard that Saints are looking to bring in one player. I think we've been linked to Kevin Vimmer at Tottenham, the Tottenham centre-back. So maybe it's a centre-back that we're trying to strengthen. But for me, I, I feel like this summer, two or three real quality signings would have been enough for us to push on and go forward. I don't think we need to overhaul players at the club. If I'm being selfish, and yeah, let's sign a new goalkeeper to put, put, put pressure on Fraser Forster, because he was appalling last season. There's, there's no two words about it. Mm-hmm. Fraser Forster was not good enough for Southampton Football Club last year. So I would love a couple, like, couple more players. But for me, three, three quality signings would be enough. So let's, let's look at the Lamina thing real quick. Cause I think there's a, like, I think the, the signings that we made so far that we've only made two, but like they, they kind of show you both sides of it where the buzz around Lamina is, is much greater than what came with, with the signing of Benrak. You know, Benrak yeah. is one for the future. He is not a polished, a finished product. And you could see when he got into the, into the match, even in the friend, in the preseason games. People were were quick to to point out that he's not ready. You know, it was very apparent. Whereas I think you see the the training when Lamina is sticking tackles in on long and and just kind of coming in and establishing himself right away. That there is yeah. a there's a huge difference there. And yeah, they cost money, but they're good. And that's going to be. I think I think that could be a real help for us. Although I'm not sure where he's going to fit in in that midfield because I think he has to play next to Romeo. And that means that Davis is out and that's our captain at yeah. the moment. And so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be weird, but um, no, well, it's, it's hard because I did watch a little bit of him in Syria and Juventus recently, or when, when he was at the club, they switched to a four, two, three, one. And he played, um, I think, yeah, Juventus switched to that position and he ended up, um, sort of one of the trident behind Higuain and that didn't help him at all. He, he's not that sort of player. He's quite a combative, sort of energetic defensive midfielder. So for me, he needs to start in the middle of midfield in that two, which means either Romeo or Davis goes. And you can't drop any of them at the moment. So I think Pellegrino's got a big decision about how he fits in. But he he is a defensive midfielder and he needs to be playing in that in that position. Um but for me that's great. You you've got Davis, Clasi, Romeo and Lamina now battling for that midfield. Whether or not we switch to a three in midfield or we keep that, that those two holding players, that's what I want in that in that squad. You've got competition, but it's actually really competition. Competition that's going to push Classy, push Davis, push Romay to be better players. You saw it. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's all I want. Well, we had depth, but our depth isn't depth that's going to make our players better. Like, we've got a lot of strikers. We've got, like when we had... Rodriguez and Long, um, we still got Long, but when we've got those two, they're not going to push Manolo Gabbiadini off the top spot. They're, they're not good enough. Simple, simple as that. And if we're going to bring in depth, 
make it good depth. Like, make sure that you bring in someone who's going to be really pushing and really challenging to start in our in our lineup on Saturdays and Sundays. All right, all right. Now, looking towards the end of of, of the window and kind of getting to some some listener questions. I think we kind of talked about what, what we think we need, but um, Ewan Campbell, who was on the show last week, who was at Ewan Campbell one and I on Twitter, uh, asked, "Who would you sell in order to bring in alternatives, uh, better alternatives in this window?" And he he lists Classy, Long, Gardos, etc. Which of those players do you think need to go to make those kind of improvements? I think it's important. I think it's important that you have the depth. We've got really good depth in our in our current squad, but for me, Gardos, we've not seen enough of him. He, he had that long injury, and I don't know what happened with Gardos. He was a weird one. He was never really in and around the first team after he returned from the injury. I think Saints might have tried to get rid of him. I know he was linked to Derby County for a little bit. But for me, we've not seen enough of him. But, yeah, I would, Jordy, Jordy Class is an interesting one as well. He had a lot of hype coming in from the Dutch League. Dutch League's always going to be hard to, to match the intensity of the Premier League. But for me, he's not ever been good enough to start in our team. He doesn't do enough. He's weak on the ball. He scored a couple of great goals for us. I remember last year back in the League Cup away at Arsenal, he scored a corker. For me, he's not done enough. So surplus to requirements for me. Jordy Classy, I wouldn't really batter an eyelid if he went. Shane Long, he had a great season under Ronald Koeman. He's a real, he's a real pesty player that defences hate playing against. But as a striker, your number one thing to do is score goals. And if you told me that he's going to score 12 goals a season for the next three years... I'd be willing to bet anything against that he would do that. He he just doesn't have that in his game. If he was a goal scorer, he would be touted by all the top clubs because he has everything a striker should have, but he just can't finish. So for me, Gardos, Clasi, Shane Long, um, just a couple of players that stand out for me that I don't think are needed at the club. Um, Jeremy P.A., he, he's looked good coming back from the nasty injury that he had last season. Um, but that midfield, it's a it's a competitive midfield of Hoiberg. Like people forget Hoiberg. He was he was one of Pep Guardiola's golden boys. He was really well um he had a great reputation in Germany as a real product for the future. But after such a good preseason when he came in, he was at large disappointing for me last last year. He his passing was wayward. Some of the shot he would take shots from thirty yards and they would just keep flying over the crossbar. So for me it's a big season for him this year. He's really got to do well. But yeah, for me, that, that they are the, the three sort of main players that are surplus to requirements. I, I think there's a couple of players who are in the squad who need to go on loan. Matt Target's one of them. He signed a new deal. Is he good enough to start in the Premier League? I don't think so. He's got a cracking left foot and he's put a couple of great crosses in. I think it was against St Etienne in pre-season, which were great. But Sam McQueen, for me, stands in front of him. So Matt Target, I feel like, could go on loan. Um, Sam Gallagher is he going to get a game he signed a new contract at Saints recently I know I heard today that Derby and Wolves are very interested in taking him on loan Mm -hmm. I'll ask you a question Matt do you think Sam Gallagher needs to go on loan to get game time because last year he scored a good amount of goals in a championship team would it benefit him going to the championship again or would it benefit him being around our first team and not playing as many games I guess my worry with him, what if he goes to the championship and is in a team that, uh, what if he doesn't repeat the success in the championship and, and he kind of uh, stagnates, but I yeah. think you run the same risk of him stagnating by sitting on the bench every week. I would say keep him on the first team, especially if you're, I don't know. We only have Gabby Dini, Austin Long really up front and then Gallagher. And 
there's no reason he can't at least push long to get better and challenge for that third spot and possibly get in there uh, for yeah. a couple of cup games. So I think I think keep him around. I I, I don't know. I Do you know what as well. I I kind of agree with you, but disagree with you. But what he offers, he's a target man. He has that height, which I really feel Saints Saints lack. We ever since Graziano Pella went off to China. He was really influential in the way that we were playing with a real target man up front. So Gallagher offers out of his height. So he is a different option to what we have in Shane Long, in Charlie Austin. So there's arguments on both sides. Right, right. All right. Um, next question, because I don't want to. We don't want to go too far over over the hour mark here. Um, Jeremy Orr, who is at Jeremy Orr on Twitter, uh, easy enough, uh, says, "Is this unlucky, or do Saints lack the skill to score? And how do they fix either option?" relating to yesterday's quite or yesterday's match. So what do you think? Or were we unlucky yesterday or do we just not know how to score? Um, good question. Um, I think yesterday we were unlucky. There is obvious things that we struggle to score. Otherwise we wouldn't have had the awful, awful um, record of, I think only Sunderland scored less goals than us last year. I think it's something like that at home or, or something like that. So there is an issue of scoring. But for me, confidence is a huge thing. If Charlie Austin or Gabbiadini starts scoring, then momentum's going to keep going, and we're going to we're going to be scoring. But what we need to do is chip in as a team. Our midfielders need to score more. That didn't happen last year. Tadic needs to get seven or six goals. Um, our midfield and even our defensive unit they need to score more. It's not just a striker's job to score. As a team, we need to score more goals collectively. So I feel like with Pellegrino's ideas and his, his attacking football, I feel like it will be okay. I feel like maybe we need to add an attacking midfielder. Um, we need to attack maybe a, a, someone who, who plays in the middle of me. If Gilfie Sigerson didn't cost 50 million, he would be perfect for Saints. He's a great, I know he played as a false nine before, but he's a great sort of centre attacking midfielder who scores goals. And we're, we're really missing that. Um, but then look at Buffel. He's got a great record in France. I feel, a lot of players didn't perform last year under Puel. And if they all get firing and they all really, really pick up a bit of form, maybe we don't need to dip into the transfer. If Tadic scores six goals, if Buffal scores six goals and, and Charlie Austin or Gabbiadini scores 15 goals, that that's fine. Maybe we don't need to dip into the market. But Pellegrino knows what he's doing. He he's I think he's going to be a good manager for Saints and he knows that we need to work on attacking movement and, and just that finishing. So I feel like it's we were unlucky against Swansea yesterday. So I don't feel like we need to panic yet. There's obvious issues within our attacking department and collectively as a team. But I don't think it's time to worry just yet. I feel like we give Pellegrino time and he'll hopefully get us firing and scoring some goals. Yeah. But looking at yesterday's uh, yesterday's stats in terms of not being able to score, you know, we had 29 shots and only two on target. And I think that right there shows that there are some issues, obviously, that Ultimately, know. we need to test the keeper more. We didn't t- we didn't test Fabianski enough yesterday, so we need to start taking testing the keepers and and putting more. <laughs> Twenty eight shots. That's a lot of shots. That's 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 a lot of shots to have in in the opening game of the Premier League season. You need to give the team credit for that for playing with attacking football after such a defensive season last year. But I don't know. Pellegrino's got a big job on his hands. I think. Really, really trying to get that team to score, but you got to have faith in him. Got to put faith. Tyo, who's at Saints Tyo on Twitter, says, "Do you think we can reach Wembley again? Maybe through the FA Cup or or the Carabao Cup? What do you What do you think about that?" I hope so. I really hope so. That for me, 
Wembley last year, that was maybe one of the best memories I've ever had as a Saints fan. The atmosphere is incredible, the, the scarves and the flags. I'd love another Wembley return. Too right. If It all depends, though. Does Pellegrino uh, focus on cup competitions? We don't have Europe this year, so I can't see why he wouldn't focus on cups and, and taking us to the to the finals. So I hope so. Whether or not we can do it is a different thing, but we defeated a lot of big teams last year, and to, to get into the final, you've got to beat the best. Mm-hmm. So let, let's see what our our records like this year when we play the big teams we play the Tottenham's we play the Arsenal's we play the Liverpool's but I hope so I'd love to go back to Wembley I don't know about you I think I speak for most Saints fans that we'd love another, another trip to Wembley oh yeah absolutely you know I've only ever really ever watched like two or three matches with other Saints fans and that was one of them there were seven Saints fans there yeah. and that was I'm never going to forget that you know um, so thank you, thank you for waving the Saints flag in America it's, it's important for us and it's it's crazy to think how uh, how our little small team who are in League One now have got fans all over the world who are, are like in America. I think someone tweeted me a picture in a, a mall in Florida that you walk into the into the Saints into a into a, like I think it was a a sports shop uh-huh. and one of the first jerseys I think that's what you call them out there uh-huh. was Saints was a Saints jersey. Now for me that's amazing. Our commercial value and our commercial and direction has been great under Cougar. I think he's done a great job. So. Fair enough for su- supporting us, Matt. That's a that's a great that's a uh, great thing. I love that. My my pleasure, man. And, and the team the team made me do it, man. And it was it's been it's been great. Dan, who's at Holy Horberg, asks us in relation to our our center back issues. Uh, would you rather have Hoyt, Gibson, or Vimmer? So of those three, who would you take given uh, the situation with with Van Dyke? Yeah, it's a hard situation. We we could we could do a whole new podcast, Matt, about about Van Dyke. It's a it's a difficult one. Um, but I'll keep my answer pretty simple. I quite like Gibson. I feel he's he's got a bright future ahead, and he's a very Southampton way signing. He's he's young. He's got a lot of football ahead of him. I think that Gibson has got all it takes to be a real solid centre back at Saints. And you put him him and Stevens at the back. That's two very young centre backs. So maybe someone older like Hoyt might be better playing alongside Stevens. Um, but I think for me, any one of them would be good signings for Saints. Kevin Vimmer, I saw. I think I saw in an Austrian newspaper that Saints had a 22 million, no, 22 euro bid rejected for him. Now, I think this market is just crazy inflated at the moment. But do I want to spend 22 million euros on Vimmer? Probably not. I prefer to spend 22 million um, euros on either Hoyt or Gibson, personally. But for me, they're all good centre-backs. But it largely depends on Van Dijk's situation. For me, there's, I don't think there's going back for Van Dijk. It's really hard because he's one of the best players I've ever seen at Southampton Football Club. For me, he's going to be one of the best centre-backs to ever, well, not to ever play, but to, to be in the current game of football, he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. For me, he's up there with Alderweireld, he's up there with PK. He just hasn't had the platform yet to show it. So if Van Dijk stays, amazing. Let's bring in another centre-back. Like I said, add a quality player to our team, make it better, someone like Hoyt or Gibson, mm-hmm. to make Stevens work for his place alongside Van Dijk. But for me, there's no going back for Van Dyke. He's really the bridges are gone. He he's got to go. There's you can't keep someone like that who's publicly come out and said a lot of bad things about Saints and the way that they've treated him. Right. Um. He has to go, unfortunately. And seventy million for little old Southampton is a lot of money to play around with in the transfer market. But then clubs know that you've got seventy million to spend, so it means that you're going to spend more on your players. So it's hard. I'd, do you know what? I wouldn't want to be Les Reed at the moment. No. No. I wouldn't want to be free at the moment. He gets paid a lot of money to do his job, so but it's a it's a it's a it's a toughie, Van Dyke. 
for me, he has to go. He's one of our best players, but if you, we talk about last year, what we missed was chemistry. And if you've got an unhappy player in your team who publicly says a lot of things about Saints that aren't very good, and you want to build on some on some chemistry, he has to go, and we'll take the seventy million. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything? Do you have anything else that you you you'd like to to address while we're while we're here? I'd like to ask you a question, Matt. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So a couple of weeks left of the transfer market. I want to know your opinions of of what you would like to see Saints do. If if somewhat we if, say if we sold Van Dyke tomorrow, and we've got seventy million in the bank, what would you improve on? Would you? How much would you spend? What would you improve on? Um, what are the key areas you think Saints need to improve on? I would like a center back simply because whether whether or not Van Dyke goes, I want another kind of Premier League ready center back to be there. Because right now, if you look there, Bednarak is basically third in line to to come in. You know, so he's 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 the next guy probably coming into the into that back line, and he's not ready. Yep. So I think we need a little bit of depth. But I, I also would like. Uh, like we said earlier, a, a midfielder that can score goals and a, a true central attacking midfielder. And that gives us plenty of options to put Buffal or Tadic or Redmond or James Ward-Prowse out on the sides and, and really change what we're trying to do mid, mid game. Cause yeah. right now I, I think Tadic and Buffal are very, are very much the same or similar players. And I mm-hmm. don't feel like we can, if you have one of them in and you bring another one in, it doesn't really, you, you can't really change it up, but like Redmond has pace uh, James Ward Prowse obviously has a set pieces and all that stuff. So like, I think if we have somebody who can truly score goals, then we can, if that's not working, we can like, we can really tr- change what we're trying to do mid mid matches. Um, yeah, that, that would be, that would be where I would spend the money and I'd be willing to spend, you know, I don't think Vimmer's worth 30 million, but I think somewhere in the 15 to $20 million range for a premier league ready center back would be good. And another, maybe yeah. 25, 30 on, on that attacking player that could really push us to the next level. Do I think we're going to do that? Not necessarily, but I think that would be that would be if I could do it, that would be what I would do. That's interesting. Just quickly, you touched on James Ward-Prowse. For me, it's a massive season for that for that young man. It's it's a real huge season. The last couple of years, he's he's not really had a concrete position. He's played in the centre midfield role. He's played like a deep playing sort of playmaker. He's played as an advanced um, attacking midfielder. I know he played that against Seville, and then he played out wide. It's a big year for him. He's really got to tie down a position and he's got to add something to his game. I know he's been great with the set pieces. Is that enough to, just because you could put in a good corner or a good free kick, is that enough for you to hold down a place in the Saints FC squad? Um, for me, it's a big year for him because otherwise we need to get in someone who can play on the right because yeah. Ward-Prowse, he needs to step up and he needs to add more to his game. Um, don't get me wrong. I think he's a great player. He's, a, he's an ultimate professional. I think he's a real good professional. But he needs to push himself to the next level. He needs to add something more to his game. Um, so yeah, it, what I worry about with him a little bit is um, you have this situation like Alex Oxley Chamberlain at Arsenal, where he is a great athlete. He is, and, and obviously James Ward-Prowse doesn't necessarily have match the the physical attributes of of Oxley Chamberlain. But they they are both good enough to play several positions, but they're not good enough to necessarily start and take hold of either of any of those you know and so because they, he is so versatile and he can play so many different positions i think that that might actually be hurting him at this point um yeah so yeah he's got to almost you know pick a spot stay there fight for it tell the manager this is where i want to play and this is what i'm going to do um does well, that make sense yeah see it's never boring as a saints fan is there there's always always debates to have always there's never a dull saints and um, things i see somewhere i'll tell you that now yeah um so in relation to your to your media thing, I have one more question for you. Um, yeah. 
if, if you could pick one club besides Saints to work on the media team and, and be there, uh, just to kind of yeah. see, maybe just because you're interested in what's going on behind the scenes or whatever it is, whatever the reason is, uh, yeah. What what team would that be? Wow, what a question. Um, I would have no hesitancy in going back to Bournemouth. Great, great club. Love the club down there. All the players are amazing. All the the players are super friendly, uh, and the media team are great down there. Um, another team, oh, I'd love to be at Saints if I was in that line of work that I was. Um, but I think I would like to be at Tottenham Hotspur. I think Tottenham are a really exciting club. I think they're going places the next couple of years. And yeah, I think Tottenham would be a really good team to work for. Then saying that, I don't know about you, I love watching other teams' media videos and, and things like that. Man City have an extensive media team. And they put some great behind the scenes videos. And I think for me, that's a real good thing about what clubs do is behind the scene videos. So to work at a team like Man City, I think would be crazy. Yeah. Let's go Man City or Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I appreciate your time. I, I'm sorry to take up so much of it. I know it's getting, it's getting closer no, to I, for you. I get carried away with talk. I could talk about Saints for the next six hours. It's been an absolute pleasure, Matt. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Oh, no problem. My, my pleasure. And, uh, you know, always welcome back and yeah, I'd love to have you on again later in the season and yeah, great. let's do it. Let's see, let's see how um, my predictions turn out. Let's, we'll talk somewhere midway through the season. That'd be good. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, we'll talk to you later this year. Amazing. See you later, Matt. Thank you for having me. And once again, we'd like to thank Jack from Saints News and Views for joining the show. You can follow that account on Twitter at SaintsFCViews. Uh, I encourage you to do so to help you better keep up with everything that's going on at the club. And while you're on Twitter, you can also follow this show at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. If you're not a Twitter fan, you're a Facebook user, you can also follow the show at Facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. No underscore in the Facebook address. Go over there, like the page, stay up to date with everything that is going on. And uh, just thank you once again for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll take your feedback either way. If you really do do enjoy the show, consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever else you, that you listen to podcasts. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, and pretty much everywhere else. And if you're having trouble with that, let me know, send me an email or get in touch with me on one of the social media sites and we will get you uh, all set up or sorted as you guys like to say. So um, we'll be back next week with another episode. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. We'll have Luke Osman on the show to talk about the sale of the club, uh, our match against West Ham and anything else that kind of happens transfer wise or, or else otherwise. Uh, between now and then. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, once again, my name is Matt Markson and I really appreciate you listening to the show. And uh, until next time, remember that together we march on. <laughs>